Welcome to the Dharma of the Force, a podcast about the spiritual and philosophical side of Star Wars. If that puts you off, it's just words. And if you think that's all a bunch of mumbo-jumbo, even better. We cannot widen our horizon and grow by never challenging what we believe, and we should always be suspicious of those who tell us what to believe. In some Buddhist traditions, listening to Dharma talks is a spiritual practice. It's not meant to give answers per se. It's an exercise in looking at questions and elaborating on them and finding the truth within yourself. So in that spirit, let us look at today's topic. Star Wars Visions So as you might have noticed, if you are one of the few eagerly awaiting every new episode, I have decided not to do it weekly anymore. Why? Because I run out of interesting things to say and I end up with vague speculation, fan theories and reactions and I promised you and myself to never do that. But now there is this one topic everyone is talking about and I think it pretty much proves the point of things I said in earlier episodes. While the reactions to Star Wars Visions have been overwhelmingly positive and everyone is not hesitating to draw parallels to Kurosawa films and such, I think there is more to it that needs to be discussed. In my opinion, Star Wars Visions perfectly demonstrates why the depiction of the Jedi in the High Republic falls flat for me and on the other hand works so beautifully here. Cultural Background we are all involuntarily saturated by whatever environment we grow up in and even if you consider yourself non-religious, societal norms are still very much rooted in the dominant religion. Just think of work weeks with Sunday off for church service, marriage ceremonies or things like circumcision. So it came to me as no surprise to see the Jedi depicted a bit differently here and more in line with what I would expect them to be. Spiritually, in Japan, there's always been a mix of Buddhism and its own very nature religion, Shinto. Even people who don't consider themselves religious take part in certain practices such as praying before exams or getting lucky charms and such. According to Shinto, and I once again simplify to the extreme here, everything has a soul. So there's no difference between, say, me, you, a butterfly, or also the stone over there. Every tree is a god, every river is a god. Funny anecdote that happened to me a couple of times back in the day, despite Japan being a vegetarian society by decree for a long time in its history. This belief that everything has a soul led to awkward explanations about what a vegan or vegetarian eats. Um, do you eat fish? No, it's an animal. Hmm. Do you eat potato? Yeah, it's a vegetable. Do you eat chicken? No, it's an animal. Hmm. How about carrot? This is an actual conversation I had many times. Why well, in Western society, no matter what you're eating, the difference between fauna and flora is well established. And it's a bit more blurred in Japan. Buddhist monks would also thank their bowls for serving them well, which I, on the other hand, think is nice. This interconnectedness doesn't stop at the physical world. Every ancestor becomes part of this divine realm once they passed away and is to be venerated. They basically become some sort of guardian angel and you can pray to them and ask them for favors and such. 
So the concept of the force that binds us all and the notion of a force ghost is something that would seem very familiar and natural to a Japanese audience and wouldn't require that much comic book superhero exposition. It's part of the cultural consciousness. And we see that in how the creators of the episodes deal with it. I don't know much about the dubbed version, and you've probably guessed I'm extra and I only watched the original Japanese version. But especially the episode The Elder holds so much wisdom I've rarely experienced outside of the movies. Especially Tajin Crosser, who is up there with Qui-Gon Jinn. The seeds of misfortune, when in peaceful soil, can easily be overlooked. There's much eagerness from you, Dan, but no matter how confident, a Jedi does not seek aggression. And we're being introduced to a new Jedi mantra. A Jedi must find balance and stillness. And he also shows maturity and confidence by defeating sarcasm. I'm so lucky to be your Padawan by not engaging and treating it as if he took it literally. The elder goes into the mountains is also something profoundly Japanese. In case you're not aware, Japan is basically a very rugged mountainous country with most cities concentrated in lowlands and along the shore. So this idea of some sage going into a mountain is a very common motif. Instead of jumping head-on into adventure, Tajin opts for the slower and safer choice to wait for the elder to return at the ship, which peacefully demonstrates the difference between the overly eager and reckless Padawan and the experienced and seasoned Jedi Master. But he then lets the Padawan jump into his quest and by that he is showing him trust in his abilities and that his opinions and suggestions are taken seriously. The mark of a true leader. He gives him advice and trusts his training to protect him instead of being the helicopter parent. This is something I emphasize strongly in leadership training. There's a fun little test to see what kind of leader you are. You blindfold one person and let the other guide them through some maze of some sort. Some would grasp the other by the shoulders and push them through the maze in front of them. Others would let them walk at their own pace and only be there to warn them of obstacles and only act when needed. The elder looking for a challenge is also a very Japanese motif and reminds me of the most famous swordsman and ronin Miyamoto Musashi author of the Book of Five Rings, a staple and required reading for everyone into Japanese swordsmanship, known for all sorts of shenanigans. One time he showed up to a duel late, so the opponent was so upset about his disrespect that his anger distracted him and led to his downfall. Another time he didn't even bring a sword and just used a part of the paddle of the boat he used to get to the duel. He was also the founder of Niten Ichiryu, a style of fighting that included the use of two swords, so even more parallels when you look at the fighting style of the Elder. This episode also deals with an important subject that is very relevant to Star Wars. When you hear things like how could Luke defeat Darth Vader? We have seen Anakin in Clone Wars in his prime and Darth Vader in Rogue One. But something people forget is age. In this episode we hear a lot about it. Even the best fighter will not defeat time. There comes a time and a less trained young guy will defeat you. A Japanese Kendall sensei in his 80s, one of the few 8th Dan I ever met, once told us that when he was younger he used to train his body, now he only trains his mind. 
and this speed and precision was unbelievable. He seemed to operate at a different frame rate or something. He defeated dozens of younger fighters and he didn't even seem to move at all. This level of precision and experience almost seemed like magic. This is also why I don't think the fight between Darth Vader and Obi-Wan Kenobi in A New Hope looks boring. It looks realistic, if anything. Two old masters face each other. They don't charge at each other head on. We love to see fleshy Hollywood choreography, but an actual fight between masters is a very, very short affair. And Visions in general did a great job in showing that. There's very little unnecessary movement and the fights tend to be short. But like I said, there is a limit to everything. If the master is way past his prime and the student is skilled, youth will be in his favor, be it eyesight or stamina. Every skill has to be maintained. It's not an unlockable item in a video game that you just keep. You don't level up forever. You have to keep working for it. And at some point, not even that will be enough. So going with the theme of aging, which younger viewers might not even have picked up on in its entirety, the elder is looking for a challenge. Rather than dying of old age, he looks for someone worthy of fight. In a way, for him, it's a win-win. He either has fun fighting an interesting fight, or he dies at the hand of someone who is worthy preventing him from a boring and insignificant death. He even gets mad at the Padawan for wasting his time by being boring and pretty much states later fighting the master that it would have been more fun if it met him when he was still stronger. In the end of the episode, Tajin speaks about these themes again. No matter how powerful you become, no, it will not last forever. And that's the Buddhist teaching of impermanence at its core. Nothing lasts forever. Don't live your life thinking it would. And don't forget your training and your kindness. A quick side note, you might think the way the rain is depicted in this scene might be stylized. But it's actually true to traditional Japanese ukiyo-e paintings. There are a couple of famous ones from the famous landscape painter Utagawa Hiroshige. And it's just the way rain in Japan falls in certain seasons. If you've been caught up in a shower in Japan, you'll know what I mean. Tajin's form is flawless. He uses a classic candle stance and not some prequely pointy fingers. The elder, on the other hand, uses the classic two-sword stance as discussed earlier. One sword serves as some sort of shield to keep the opponent at bay and or push his sword out of the way, while the other one is ready to strike. And then... Remember back to your early teachings. The actual fight is very short and calculated. There is no lightsaber flipping and showing off of cool tricks. If you ask me, if the prequels are a fictional account of Jedi exploits, then this is how the reality would be. While I think the Elder encapsulates everything that is to say about the head start um, Japanese creators have compared to those growing up in a comic book dominated environment, I'd like to address another theme used in actually several other episodes lightsabers or swords. In Japan, swords traditionally hold special meaning and power and they are, in fact, highly valued heirlooms. There's a samurai sword museum in Tokyo I highly recommend to everyone visiting the city. 
The sword is part of the Japanese psyche and identity. Swords are often said to hold special powers and have individual names or personalities, and are even ritual objects. So you could say there are several Excalibur in Japanese culture. Visions might not be canon or hard canon or whatever you want to call it yet, but it's safe to assume that in an age in which the tales of the Jedi are mostly forgotten, a lightsaber would be venerated as powerful relic or clan symbol. And then there is of course the bandits attack small village theme that has been picked up several times in Visions, but guess what, I'm not surprised. If anything, that is the root of Star Wars. It is the very story that started with Kurosawa classics, remade into Clint Eastwood spaghetti westerns and ended up as the foundation of The Mandalorian. Years ago I found an ebook on the internet, an essay by someone arguing that the perfect Boba Fett movie would be a remake of A Fistful of Dollars. Through the force, things you will see, other places, the future, the past, old friends long gone. He was right. It is very well documented that John Favreau wanted to do a Boba Fett project and they had him change it to Rand the Mandalorian. So in conclusion, I once again think it's very important to look at the roots of stories if you want to create something in the spirit of the originals. And that's something Visions did masterfully. Even if you didn't like some episodes, and I wouldn't fault you for doing so, it's sometimes very Japanese, and if you're not familiar with the culture, it might seem odd. It gives an interesting insight into slightly different perspectives. And you know what I said about comfort zones and different points of view. The origins of the Jedi are the samurai. The inspiration for the Force was their belief. To understand and expand your knowledge, you have to go to the source. Thank you for doing so, Lucasfilm. If you want to support me or this podcast, don't send money. I don't have a Patreon. Find a charity of your choosing and donate. And do yourself a favor and switch off your phone, disconnect, and just sit in silence for a few minutes. Close your eyes and... Breathe. Just breathe.